0: Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest
1: times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast.
2: We are talking about navigating early recovery today. I think sometimes when uh, we talk about our stories, we're talking about it as uh, you know, we've been a few years out of it. And so I think it would be good if we reflected on kind of the early days, our feelings, how we thought, um, and just what all the newness was in the early recovery. So yay. yay. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, who wants to kick this off?
1: Um. I guess I can start with some things. So I feel like this topic is pretty relevant to me right now since um, Jake is in early recovery at the moment. And I guess I, um, like, I view this as different like early recovery, different, like it from past times when he, you know, maybe relapsed, but then got quickly back into um, recovery. Like I feel like those were more of just getting back on track. Whereas I'm picturing early recovery, in my mind, as he was out using for a long time and then, like, trying to start over in a way. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: Okay. And so there's been a lot of things that have come up in the last um month. Oh, actually, I will say um last week, Jake got his 30-day awesome. token. Oh,
2: yay! So, yeah. Okay.
1: So that's really good. I'm proud of him. He seems to be like very proud of himself, actually. Um, Like he was the one who I feel like I in the past would always be like, oh my gosh, you're at 30 days. Or like I was sometimes keeping track of it more than he was. Um, And a shift this time around, like I was not keeping track of it. And he actually was like, hey, I got my 30 token, 30 day token today. and. He got it in his HA group. He wanted to do it there because he's really been liking it. So that was cool. I feel like he's doing well. Um, yeah. But anyway, so that has just made me think of what I'm experiencing in this phase of early recovery, and then it's made me think back to six and a half years ago when I was going like through the early recovery with Jake for like the very first time, and like how things are different. Yeah. So um, one thing that came to mind is, like, I remember six and a half years ago, just so much more, like, feelings of being, like, overwhelmed by not knowing anything about the disease and addiction. And when Jake was going through treatment, there's so many acronyms about, like, PHP and IOP and all the different meetings. And just, you know, you already feel overwhelmed by like finding out that your partner like has addiction and then trying to navigate it um was a lot
0: yeah that was the same for me it was like when I was thinking about this topic that was one of the big things is I was like trying to change my mind about what my life was going to be like too at the time so it's like you're learning about all this stuff and then also like your expectations or like your like your vision for the way your life is is like changing too so that was something that really came to mind when i was thinking back to the beginning oh that's an interesting
2: point to bring up
0: because you know well go ahead oh (laughs) go ahead (laughs) i was just gonna say you know like i i knew that my husband had like a problem with drugs but i didn't know what it meant you know because i mean he told me that he used to be addicted to heroin right like and when we met but right our life until like it got until he like started using regularly um was pretty normal like we went out like he drank still like you know we went out with our friends and i so i didn't really know how it would be different or that if it would be different at all it was kind of like this long lost problem that i just didn't realize anything about And so when I found out he had been actively using and he went to treatment, it was like, oh, like, this is my new life. Like, this is – like, we're not going to be going out drinking with our friends and we're not – you know, this is just the new normal. And it
1: was just a lot to process at that time. Yeah. Well, and, like, then what else is changing is now, you know, they're throwing in all these meetings that they have to go to Mm -hmm. or – therapy and group and it just trying to figure out how that fits into your life and you know all the scheduling and working around it um actually like jake and i were talking about this yesterday um he said or he remembered like when he first went and got out of treatment um where he was just like, I didn't even know which meetings to go to or where they were, mm. what meetings I would like. And so there was just a lot of anxiety around that of like trying to figure out that mm-hmm. world. Um, and he said it's a lot different this time because he already has a whole bunch of meetings that he knows he's he likes because he's living in the recovery house. Um, the other guys are going to meetings. And so he's like, that part is just like a lot easier. Um, and so that makes a difference. But when you're brand new to it, I mean, you don't know what you mm-hmm. don't know. So there's just a lot of time, I think, trying to learn and figure mm-hmm. it it's out. a lot of change. And then you throw in, like, our new meetings also. Like, if you, you know, if we start going to therapy or, like, I started going to the family support group.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> I remember um, in the beginning, like, Steve, so... Like I was so mad at him and there was some job um, like my boss had shifted at my current job and I wasn't happy anymore. And so I found an opportunity um, to go back and work for a hotel and it was a traveling sales job basically. And so I remember the first six months of Steve's recovery, I was actually gone five nights a week and I'm kind of glad I was for multiple different reasons. But I mean, he was at meetings five, six nights a week. And so like that's just a whole different thing. But I think at that time I just needed space Mm -hmm. from him because I was so mad Mm -hmm. at him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like coming to terms with I mean, a lot of times in the early recovery, you're like the truth is coming out. (laughs) And yeah, you you've been like living this life of or trying to piece together like what is going on and you know things don't aren't right, but you don't know what what's going wrong really and then so things are coming out and then it's just like I feel like I'm always a step behind Charlie's like moving forward basically I think I've said this to you guys before but basically he's known the whole time what's happening and then by the time he's ready to get into recovery treatment or whatever um, he's already decided like I'm done with that but then but that's the time when I'm like figuring out what had been going on, and so I'm like processing emotionally like all of the things that have happened, so I just think like I'm always kind of a step behind where he's at mentally in in the in the process,
1: yeah, I agree with that yeah, yeah. i feel like um i re- I think I use those exact words with Jake I remember when i f- feel like I feel that more the first time around um, Mm because I was so blindsided by Mm -hmm. using and I didn't know and I remember when he got into treatment there was like this sense of relief for him it was like a weight was lifted off his shoulders like finally the truth was out and he was getting help and feeling Mm -hmm. better and I felt like oh shit like all of this has now been dumped on me I'm trying to process it I'm so far like many steps behind and so We were just at different levels and there was a lot of times I would like kind of almost like tormenting myself, trying to figure things out. Like I remember like going back through the, his bank statements and then like seeing the withdrawals come out and like piecing together, like how often it was happening and for how long and, or like Mm -hmm. I would look through pictures and then ask him in this picture, were you high or were you thinking about eating drugs or you withdraw, and, like, there's just so much, um,
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: wanting to figure out every little detail, um, just trying to piece together, like, what was reality and what wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did the same thing.
2: Yeah, so did I. Yeah, I told Steve, um, you know, we went to a Rihanna concert, and he was high, and so I couldn't enjoy it. And now I look back and I can't enjoy it because now I know he was high. So, like, I feel like he owes me a Rihanna. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I do. I really yeah. do.
2: Because we have a bunch of pictures and now I look back and his eyes are bloodshot, they're pinpoint. Like, they were, yeah. yeah. I mean, he was really messed up. But I think another thing to think, like in the beginning, like when you're trying to dig through all those answers and look through the pictures, like realizing like now that I've, you know, we've come out of this, like none of that is helpful in my opinion, like trying to get to the bottom of it. Like, where's your dealer? Give me the numbers. Tell me the stories, you know, tell me in this picture, you know, did you go get high before we went on our anniversary trip? You know, did you bring drugs to the anniversary? I don't think any of that, like
1: it's helpful like
2: but you want to know it but i think coming out of it like it's not helpful yeah Mm
1: -hmm. i I think that's something i mean i've had a lot of years now of our group and things so i've grown and i'm haven't felt like the need to do that as much this time around um yeah we still talk like jake is pretty open in sharing things so there will be a lot of times that he you know, will start telling me about like, Oh yeah, there's this one time I was trying to meet my dealer and X, Y, and Z. Um, and it hasn't really bothered me too much. I don't know. I guess part of it is I'm just curious and interested in knowing what was going on. Mm -hmm. Um, but then there have been a few times where it will just like hit me differently and like make me start feeling kind of, I don't know, just really hurt or sad. Um, And I think something that has been different is that I can recognize now when I'm feeling that, like I notice the shift and rather than ignoring it or not sharing out with him, there've been a few times where I've been like, Hey, like this is just making me feel bad and I can't talk about this right now. So (laughs) can we change the subject? Mm -hmm. Uh, And It's just weird because there's some days like I, it doesn't bother me (laughs) at all. I mean, that sounds, not that it doesn't bother me, but it doesn't, like, affect me in that way, Um, but then, you know, you never know what sort of mood you're in. Sometimes hearing it makes me feel more emotional or something.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what would our advice be to spouses or family members who want, like, they find out that their person is an addict and they're high and they're trying to piece back and, like, go through all the stories in their head. Like, what advice are we giving to people? Hmm. Mm. <laughs> in the early stages. Yeah.
0: Well, I don't know. I, I I agree with what you said that it's not, in hindsight, it's not super helpful. Um, but also in the moment when you're trying to grasp, like, at reality, like, you're trying to figure out, like, what is happening? <laughs> um, and, like, for, in my experience, like, Charlie was just lying all of the time to to feed, like, mm-hmm. to be able to do what he needed to do. And, like, I felt crazy. And so, like mm-hmm. there's this one story I think I may mean, have even told it on the podcast before, but we were like getting ready for a party and he took cash to go oh, buy yeah. some things and then <laughs> I don't remember like what but he didn't bring back any change and it was like there should have been like at least twenty dollars of change and he convinced me that like the the twenty dollars was like in the yard. Like it blown out of the car, <laughs> like I So, you know, there are things like that where it's just, like, you just feel crazy because you're, like, why would he lie to me about this? So, you like, you're looking in the yard for, like, $20 and you don't realize, like, (laughs) like it's just in those moments it's, like, really frustrating and you feel like you're the one that's, like, not doing the normal stuff. And so sometimes it's helpful for them to say, yeah, that was, I was lying, you know. Like, I think for me it was helpful when – he would be like, Yeah, none of that was you. I, I was I was lying because of this. So those types of things helped me, but um just like get a bearing of like, okay, I my intuition wasn't wrong. And like knowing that feeling, mm. like understanding like I had a feeling and I should have trusted it, helped me later in in recover his recovery too, of like just trusting my gut and calling him on, on his BS. So
1: that kind of mm. helps but I yeah I feel that way too like I wouldn't want to say it's all or nothing like don't ask yeah. them anything or try and find out um I think it's I don't know maybe you have to like limit the amount of time <laughs> that you're spending on it or
0: yeah it'll come out in time too I mean yeah. as they recover I mean you can't right. just like although I have done it um like as soon as you find out like be like tell me all of the truth that's another thing that's really hard for me is i don't like finding out lies months later it like reopens the wound and you just have to like work through all the same stuff again so i like after a relapse or something i like for him to just dish everything tell me everything and
1: let's deal with it and then let's move on that's not- also kind of hard though because sometimes they aren't in a place where they're ready to tell everything or they're exactly. not even, like, remembering everything i think
0: and that happens especially yeah especially
1: when they're coming out of like a run of active use like things are still kind of foggy and so um yeah. you know then when later if things come out you're like oh i thought we already talked about this and now it's changed like that then mm-hmm. leads to more distrust but yeah that's happened too
0: yeah yeah so I don't have a good answer I think uh, I don't know it's a hard answer. it's a hard question to answer
2: <clears throat> yeah and i and I think I don't know like if if you at all can taking it with a a grain of salt, like trying to you know the things that they did, they were in active use, and so I think in the beginning it was hard to separate that like they're in active use, like they're a different person, like it all felt felt personal, yeah. yeah. And so trying to remember, like, okay, this is a disease, like, maybe trying to separate it or try to understand, like, okay, like, he didn't, he wasn't intentionally trying to ruin this Rihanna concert for me. You know, he just had a disease and he needed his drugs. So. Yeah,
1: I guess that's it. It's sort of, like, the way we frame it. And I think that comes with, you know, learning about the disease and having a better understanding of it um, can help make make that easier
2: mm-hmm. I think something um at my probably first or second meeting of our group you know like you go in and you tell your story and I was just sobbing and like telling all these things um a gentleman handed me a book um codependent no more
1: uh-huh. um, who's it by melody baby melody,
2: melody baby and I remember getting that book and he was like you should read this and I was like okay whatever and I was like well I'm gonna take little post-it notes and and just see if any of this hits home and I'll just mark it so I can just remember like okay maybe I am codependent maybe I'm not like I don't understand how this book is gonna help me and I read that book and it is chock full of um, little post <laughs> notes of things that mm-hmm. I thought you know resonated with my story so even though Steve is um, a heroin addict and that story is about an alcoholic it still just hit home and I was like oh my gosh like I don't think I understood and maybe I don't even know if I really understand what codependency is this day but there was so much that I did in the beginning that was you know had codependency tied to it that that book was very helpful in just getting me to kind of take a step back and take a look at kind of my part of this addiction as well Mm -hmm. yeah because you guys read
1: it too Mm -hmm. didn't you yes yeah I did yeah I feel like that's um a book that we tend to recommend to like all new people in our group Mm
0: -hmm. I read it even um Like a like a year and a half ago or something, I redid it. Oh, you Um, reread it? Yeah, it was helpful. I
1: had started to reread it this summer, but then I didn't finish it. (laughs) There's a workbook too, which is helpful. (laughs) Oh, uh, that would be good.
0: Yeah, it like goes through. I don't remember exactly what's in it now, but it it like helps you work through the book and like has prompts and more of like a journaling thing too. I've done that too.
2: Yeah so I think I think in the beginning it's always like nice to you know this this whole addiction thing is so difficult and so navigating it with professional help Mm -hmm. I think is also like I've always been in counseling and so when all this came out like I was so happy that I had a private counselor that I could talk Mm -hmm. to her about it like that was super helpful
1: yeah that's something
2: because you just can't you can't unload not that you can't I just think it's difficult to unload on your partner or your addicted person because like their brain is so mushy and crazy like it's almost I don't want to say unfair well, to, to unload productive. all that on them
1: for you. yeah. like you're they're
2: you're not, not ready to get what
1: you want out of that unloading right um that's something that I would if I could go back I would change like I would have gotten gone to therapy sooner than i did um i was going to the family support group and i think at the time i thought like oh this is enough um you know i i don't want my whole life to be about going to meetings because my boyfriend is an addict like i'm not the one who has a problem Mm -hmm. (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and so and the meeting was good but i think i would have benefited from doing some like work individually um and I didn't start that until a couple years later. And I am yeah. glad I have it now.
0: Another thing about trying to like process all that with your partner or who your loved one immediately after they get clean is that it can be damaging. I mean, they're not like
1: ready mm. for
0: I remember um with charlie and i we were trying to work on our relationship too soon like he just it was just too much like his his whole like we kind of talked about like his whole world was changing he was trying to figure out meetings and sponsors and new friends and then i'm like we need to fix our relationship and it was just like it was just way too much so i think just taking like knowing that hopefully recovery is a long journey and at the very beginning like they just really have to get healthy habits in place and that's the most important thing and the time will come where you can like work together on mending some of those those things that have happened so yeah yeah
2: well in an early recovery uh, I know we've mentioned this before they tell the addict like don't make any huge life decisions and <clears throat> I also took that for me like <laughs> that I couldn't split from Steve <laughs> but you know they can't think about the relationship because at this point in recovery and for always like recovery will come mm-hmm. first above your marriage above your children above everything else recovery has to come first because if it doesn't mm-hmm. um, you won't have any of those things and that was difficult in the beginning for me to kind of wrap my head around that I will always come second to recovery. Like the fact that recovery has to be first. I couldn't understand that concept in the Mm -hmm. beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's definitely like that in the beginning, but as you get kind of further along, I think that it, everything balances out. Like there's time for everything. I think, um, And it's, like, I like when Charlie has his meetings because I get to do something for myself. Like, after a long day, I know, like, on Wednesdays, he goes to a meeting. So, like, Wednesday nights, like, I can catch up on The Bachelor. And, like, I just kind of have my own little things that I look forward to during that time now. I don't really feel like, oh, I wish he was here right now, you know. So, I think you kind of get used to that and it sort of balances out, too.
2: Okay. So, I also remember in the beginning I would try to like control Steve's meetings and just being nervous. Like if he was saying like, I'm going to go to meetings. Cause I know he said in the past that he's gone to meetings and people have been using in their cars. And I know Alex, you've said that Charlie has sat in the parking lots before and not gone mm-hmm. into the meetings. And so, um, you know, I think trying to control, you know, getting a sponsor, going to a meeting, I just think that in the beginning, that was definitely something I was trying to do. So would you
1: like follow him to meetings or like check up to see if he was actually there or anything like that?
2: No. Again, I was at that, uh, you know, traveling oh. job. So it was just call me and he'd say, I went to meetings, and right? I'm like, well, I hope so. You know, I can't. You know, I think it was nice that I removed myself because I I probably would have followed him (laughs) to his meetings and watched him walk in. I mean, I was at work. At the end, I was at his work all the time. Like, are you at work? Like, are you driving home? Like, that was definitely something that was Mm -hmm. in me. There There are
0: apps for that (laughs) now.
2: You know, I'm not really techie, so I probably wouldn't have done any of that. Yeah,
1: there were a couple of times that I know that – when Jake would say he was going to a meeting that I would do like a drive by to see if he was actually there. Yeah, uh. I mean,
0: well, the trust is the, the breaking of trust is real. And so like, I mean, that's a valid concern. I mean, to have like, is this person being honest now? Yeah. Because you, a lot of times find out that they've been dishonest to kind of allow them to use. So when they get into recovery, it's not like an instant thing. Like they're like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. And Charlie would used to get really frustrated because he's like, I'm being honest finally. And like, you don't believe me. And it's like, yeah, but I was believing you when you weren't being honest. Like we got to, (laughs) there's a little bit of a dynamic here that has to shift. So. um, Right. I think it's fair. Like, I mean, there's some like negative things about, you know, you definitely don't want to like be using all of your free time and being obsessed with like, you know, following them around and and things like doing all the detective work. But I think there are also healthy ways to like, for them to earn your trust. Like, um, Charlie, like this last time that he had relapsed, um, he used when he told me like during the time that he was supposed to be at his meeting and, um, Mm -hmm. he just used that block of time to, to, to go get whatever he was going to go get. And so, um, we ha- there's an app where, like, you can see, you know, where, like, you're, where each other are on a map. And it's like, well, okay, so we have it downloaded. I don't obsessively check it, but, you know, if I haven't heard from him and it's Wednesday night and he hasn't checked in and said, hey, I'm on my way to the meeting, I check to see if he's at the meeting. And so yeah. it's just like, it's a small yeah. thing that I can do. Like, he he's agreed that, like, it helps build trust and it's just, like, a thing that I can check it quickly. And, be like, okay, like, put my mind at ease so and then i know if like he goes offline on that or whatever that something's off but it definitely helps kind of build the trust i think small things like that um i don't know other examples what we've done in the past but that help build trust that like i think those things can be really helpful and help you know get you guys on the same page faster like the same with at-home drug testing
1: you know yeah right yeah that is part of it it's like you're just trying to fact check in a way or yeah um you know just you don't want to take everything at face value and I think in early recovery especially like it's just natural when you ha- love somebody and it's your partner like you want to believe them mm-hmm. and but that can you know be dangerous uh, if you're just like taking every, like taking their word at face value, because, um, mm-hmm. you know, they can lie. And so that was something um, like I, let me see, where am I, let me think. Oh, yeah. So an example I have of that is um, a few weeks ago when Jake was still in his PHP class, um, he was getting drug tested regularly and I realized one time he was like oh yeah like I passed my drug test and I just automatically was like oh cool that's great and then a few days later I realized oh I have no actual evidence that he passed his test like Mm -hmm. he could Mm -hmm. be telling me anything and so I called his counselor at Fairbanks And was like, hey, so I was just wondering, did Jake actually pass his test? And she was like, yeah, he's passed all of them. And I was like, oh, thanks. I, you know, I want to believe him, but, and she was like, but you've been burned before. Like, this makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally get it. Um, And then I told, I did tell Jake later, I was like, hey, I called your counselor just to confirm that you passed your drug test. And he was like, Oh, that's fine. Like, I understand why you would do that. And he was like, I could, I can start bringing home a paper or something. Mm-hmm, and I was like, mm-hmm. yes, like any sort of physical evidence that you can bring to me would go a long way in helping to build back that, that trust and confidence in you. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know in the beginning, cause Steve was stealing a bunch of money and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that he had to bring home every single freaking receipt so if it was a two dollar candy bar it didn't matter like he had to bring me every receipt and when he didn't bring me a receipt for something it was a Mm -hmm. big deal so that probably went on for a couple years and I remember him saying like guys at the meeting or like I can't believe you do that you need to tell her to you know piss off and blah blah and it's like that's how we are going to build our trust Mm -hmm. so you know, screw them. I was like, if you want this relationship to work, like you better remember to get every Mm freaking receipt. Yeah. So that was how we built trust in the beginning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's what it takes. I mean you have to slowly build it back somehow. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think in the beginning too, I just felt so dumb. (laughs) Like how did I not Mm -hmm. know? Yes that my husband Mm -hmm. was a heroin addict how did I not know and people people still to this day like if I say anything like how did you not know I'm like I don't know how I didn't know like I you know I came home one time and there was a line of white stuff on a tray table and he was asleep and I was like Steve what the fuck is this and he was like it's Tylenol I crush it up so that it gets to my headache faster and he snorted it and I was like oh that makes sense <laughs> like of course it's going to get into your bloodstream faster duh Elise how did you not know that that was drugs
1: yeah
0: yeah Ugh. but yeah I mean like we've said you don't really want to believe that that's what's happening you know you yeah. want you want to be- give them the benefit of the doubt and you want to and it's also just really hard, I think one one of the things for me at the beginning was like I just remember thinking all of the time, like, I can't be married to a heroin addict. Like that can't be my life. Like that's not what's happening, oh. you know. <laughs> and yeah. and so I just like I don't know, I think that there's part of that too, even though I knew I was because he had told me. <laughs> um <laughs> 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 but I didn't. I just didn't want to believe it, you know? Like, I was just like, this isn't my life. Like, I'm this, this, and this. Like, I wouldn't have gotten into this situation, you know? And mm. then it's like, well, nope, this is your reality. This is the reality, and this is what that means. And there's some of it, like, normalizing addiction and recovery in my own mind and, like, kind of figuring out, like, that that didn't make him less of a person. That didn't make our relationship less. It's just, like, this is a problem that a lot of people struggle with, and, like, there was just a lot of that in the beginning, like, normalizing it to myself. Like, life can be relatively normal and function well in recovery, you know? Like, I just didn't know what that looked like or anything. So, I think at the beginning, getting my mind around the new normal was really hard. So,
2: yeah. But, I
0: agree.
2: (laughs) think about relapses in the beginning what did you guys think about relapses in the beginning oh i
1: was really afraid of them um yep i was like oh i don't want him to relapse like yeah i i guess i also thought there's a chance like oh he will be the one who doesn't relapse um yeah i don't know i remember being nervous about them for sure
0: i never thought about that um yeah i don't so Charlie's relapsed, like, instantly. So I think it was pretty much, like, at first, I just, the beginning, I was like, these are, like, every relapse is, like, a huge deal. Um, and I was just like, it ruins everything, and you have to start all the way over and all of that. But since then, I've kind of learned that, you know, seeing him, like, each relapse taught him something different, and he built, built on that. I mean, it could go the other way, obviously, where maybe he, he wouldn't move in the the right direction from it but um yeah I've just seen them be really helpful to his recovery over time I mean I wish they would stop now but (laughs) but um but yeah I think that they can be helpful I I really do think that they can be a tool to kind of figure out a missing piece or focus on something that isn't quite resolved
1: yeah I mean I I think that Over time, I grew to like understand that and see it. But I know early on, um, there was a lot of fear around relapse, and also I guess it was fear of like, oh, is there something that I'm doing? Like, if I say this, will him go use, or is this going to trigger him? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like now, I know that that's not the case. Um, Yeah. And so, like, that's been. time around i'm i'm not like walking on eggshells like worrying about like what i'm saying to him or not saying to him or
0: Mm -hmm. i did the same thing but some of the things i did say did really (laughs) Not, not that he it was not that it was my fault that he like used drugs after that but he wasn't taking care of himself he wasn't doing the right things and it was just another excuse in his mind to kind of do what he wanted to do anyways but at the very beginning we would fight a lot and it it was just like a weird just the dynamic of your relationship changes during that time and I just think that I wasn't in a good place he wasn't in a good place we're both trying to like figure out how to get to a good place and it was just kind of like a bumpy road (laughs) but um I did the same thing I thought oh no like after the first time that we kind of got into a huge fight and he used, I was like, that's my fault. That's like, I shouldn't have brought that up or whatever, which is not true. I mean, like I said, he was looking for any reason to use yeah. or whatever. So, um, I, I agree. I do think, though, that there's like, just having a
1: way to have yeah, the conversation.
0: That's what I was going to say. Like, just being understanding of kind of where they're at in recovery and um, trying to, like, approach topics that you should definitely talk about things that you want to talk about but in a healthy way in a constructive way that doesn't bring like guilt and shame um back you know is like constructive and trying to move forward um that definitely wasn't the way I was approaching things at first because I was really mad and yeah. I wanted him to feel bad because yeah. I, I like he made me feel yeah. bad and so yeah I think that the there's definitely a way to talk about things um but just being mindful that they're yeah. fragile you're fragile um a lot of time facilitated conversations can be way better than trying to do it on your own especially at that time I agree. yeah agree yeah
2: so what about telling people or not in the beginning like telling your work telling your friends telling your family what did you guys do in the beginning hmm.
1: um I mean I told my family like they knew it was going on and a couple of my close friends one per I told one person at work because she was the person I sat next to and there's just so much so many things happened happening to it was like sometimes you needed <laughs> to be able to be like spill to somebody um but it wasn't really something I shared openly with many people Mhm
0: I I overshared uh, at the beginning yeah. um with my family like my mom specifically and it caused a lot of extra stress so I had to figure out those types of boundaries like um who I could like kind of lean on when time- when things were like dramatic and I needed support and help <laughs> and clarity and who I needed to kind of wait and tell things to a little bit later or I don't know it's like feel like some of it is a little bit tailoring I don't want to like I don't want to tell anyone that's going to make me stress out more about the situation right so like my mom would be like this isn't healthy like obviously this is not healthy like we're figuring we're figuring (laughs) it out but you know someone that's just like pointing out the obvious when you're trying to like work through something um, Mm -hmm. isn't always helpful but Um, I don't know. So I kind of figured out that and have found a way to like be honest with everyone without like get like sharing so much. It causes concern or sharing too little that I feel like I'm lying. That kind of thing. I don't know. You kind of figure it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I know in the beginning for me, I didn't share with my family for seven, eight months until after Steve got clean I felt that I I knew that they wouldn't give me the support that I wanted or needed, and so I felt that it would be in my best interest to not tell mm-hmm. my family. Now his family knew, uh, unfortunately. Like we would talk about it, but I couldn't, you know, to my mother and my sister or to my mother-in-law and my sister-in-law like they have his back a thousand percent so i couldn't be trashing steve to them because you know they wouldn't they would take his side and i have a fantastic relationship with them but obviously that's right their brother son like of course like i can't talk shit Mm -hmm. really you know um so that's why finding the group and i think finding you guys was the most helpful for me in the beginning because Uh, there was probably one woman that I told um, kind of a mutual friend and she was really sweet during it. And, but then I told one of Steve's cousins, like I called him when I found out it was heroin and I'm really disappointed that he didn't do anything, didn't help, hasn't called to this day, hasn't really called or checked in. And so, you know, I think just disappointing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just disappointing yeah because you can't rely on everybody you, you can't know? no and and so i kn- i just i knew with my family i couldn't count on what support they would give me and so i didn't tell them and i was right <laughs> unfortunately i was um, right yeah <laughs> so even to this day, which is sad. I mean, they know now, but <laughs> mm-hmm. they uh, yeah, it's just not well, been what, you didn't tell I, them for what a, I had hoped it would be. A couple be. Of
1: years, right? I feel like there it was a while before you ended up sharing with them. Yeah, I was like eight, eight. months. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so That's something my counselor though um, has pointed out to me is that sometimes I don't tell people because I don't want to cause them to worry. Mm-hmm. Um, like my family. Like sometimes I don't tell them everything. Cause I'm like, well, I don't want them to worry about this or I don't want to make them feel bad. And something she has pointed out to me is that like, I'm not responsible for their feelings. And if I, if I need support from people, like, I, I should still tell them and then, you know, they're allowed to have their feelings and like, I can't control that. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes like thinking through like, what is the reason for me not telling them? Is it because I am not, I'm not telling them something um, because it's in my own best interest or am I not telling them out of a sense of codependency? Like I don't want them to mm-hmm.
0: feel bad.
1: Mm-hmm. And. Cause I think that's, there's a, important distinction there um Mm -hmm. that sometimes I struggle with yeah I feel like in this um stage of early recovery I've been a lot more open with people like I I shared with my boss not like going into details but just like hey this is what's going on so I need to can my, fle- my schedule be more flexible for a little while while I help Jake with PHP and things and um, more of my coworkers who I'm close to know
0: uh,
1: my other friends who maybe I didn't originally know have been looped in um, that makes me a little nervous because like people will now ask like how are-, how are things going with Jake is he doing well and like I always feel to be like oh yeah he is doing well because I'm like I know in the past I've said that and he wasn't and I don't know it's just like I guess where I am is like cautiously optimistic Mm -hmm. Um, and like I can understand how like yes today he's doing well I don't know what that means for tomorrow or the next day Um, but it makes me nervous sometimes telling other people that i don't know does that make sense it's a weird thing Mm -hmm. yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah
2: well what about like you know just in the early days like trying to stay in the moment and not trying to think ahead too far
1: yeah that's that's still hard working on
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's still hard i mean for me it was like i would i think i talked about this before but i would um I would think like every relapse was like, okay, we can't, whatever we were doing in our life, like can't move forward. So it was like, if I, if the the day I found out about a relapse, we were trying to move into a new place, I would stop doing that. Like, nope, we can't because this is happening. Or if we were, um, I just would like, almost like let it pause my whole life. Like we can't move forward because this is still happening. And, um, yeah I don't know it was like it took a long time to realize like you can move forward but things just look different than they would have if this wasn't going on you know Um, like um, yeah you know we ended up buying a house but it was like okay so one of the things I was scared of is that he was just gonna like use and lose his job and like all this stuff and like I'm stuck with a house that I can't afford so instead of like not buying a house we just bought a house that I could afford if the worst case scenario happened you know and yeah. so and then just like so you just kind of do things a little bit differently like like you said just like cautiously optimistic about the future like you don't need to hold your whole life back but um you also just need to be a little bit smarter about things at least that's kind of how I felt like I just didn't want to like put my future in his hands basically like if you use then and like lose your job then then i'm going to lose a house and all of, like it's gonna like break me down too and i was terrified of that so finding yeah. a way to kind of like balance like move forward but also have some security and like like my own independence and um not relying on him for everything i mean it's a codependent thing too but like if worst case scenario happens, like I'm gonna survive, and and there's like a sense of yeah. like security in that that helped me like not worry about the future so much, but like in like just kind of live moment to moment um, a little bit easier. But I needed that like I needed that like security in some in some sense. If that makes if that makes yeah. Any sense, yeah.
1: For me, I think I I'll do a thing. I'm like, oh, he's doing well right now. And then I'll jump out like in a month. I'm like, oh no, but what if he relapses like next month? And then, and then I go into like a snowball effect of what that means. And Mm -hmm. then I start putting myself like in that position of like, this is how I'm going to feel at that time. And next thing I know, I'm like six months out. (laughs) That does not do any good. Like all I'm doing is pre-worrying about something that may or may not happen Um, Mm -hmm. and what my counselor always will ask me she's like Liz so all of this worrying and emotion that you're feeling about this hypothetical future thing do you think that will make you feel less if it does happen like you know and I'm like no I'll probably feel all of this still then and she's like so you're just sort of tormenting yourself like in prolonging these feelings like you know stay in the moment with what you know is going on mm-hmm. and you know when when you get to other points like you'll deal with it at that time but
0: so I that's... mean good and bad right so you're playing it out bad like so the bad yeah. scenario but you can also say like, I always
1: play it out the bad scenario <laughs>
0: yeah no no me, too, me too I, you can I also am like I've in the past I've like he'll he'll have like the longest amount of time he's had clean or something and i'll think mm. i'll start like thinking in the future like oh this is good so now we can do these like, yes. this things these things can happen and and you know like we can move forward in this way because he has like this is this is gonna stick and then a relapse happens and you're like you are you're set back <laughs> you know it's like you can kind of you can kind of get too far in the good too if you're like um, just looking at that. So I think that it's just healthy either way to like just be grateful for what's happening today. Today' a day that he's well and things are going good. Like just attack like tomorrow like just let things happen naturally like either way, I think. Yeah, yeah.
2: oh well, that's a good.
0: That's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I've got gotten trapped in that too and then I'm like disappointed. like it's the same like it's the same (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) yeah so well all right that's a nice well I think
2: we kind of covered a lot about early recovery yeah Yeah. all right well if anybody has any early recovery stories to share or you're looking for support because early recovery is just difficult please reach out to us we're always here to help and Thanks for coming and tuning in and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media, and if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.